Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Welcome to those who are online watching today. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read six verses. I'm going to break them down. I'm going to take my time. Um, The first three verses is going to show us what sin did to us. And then the last three verses are going to tell us what God did for us. I want to tell you, sin's more than just a habit, bad habit or a character defect. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. Sin kills Sin brings about separation. It started with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. That brought separation between us and God. Because, see, God's not good. God's not great. God is absolutely perfect. And if we're going to stand before God, we're going to have to stand before God sinless. And how can we be sinless? Not on our own behavior. Not not in what we can do. Our sinless perfection comes through Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are clothed with His righteousness. So when we stand before God as a believer in Christ, when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sin, but He sees our Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. And you who are dead in trespasses and in sins, I want you. I want to see that word "dead." That's what the Bible says. Dead. It doesn't say you who were not as good as you could be. He says you were dead before you get saved. You are dead in your trespasses and sin. You're dead. That means you don't even know you're dead. You are spiritually dead and lost, completely separated from God in trespasses and sin. You know what trespasses is? It says trespasses and sin. There's got to be a little difference between trespasses and sin, right? Well, you ever seen that do not trespass sign? And there was a fishing hole or something right there. And there wasn't nobody watching. So on this side of the no trespassing sign, you're okay. But when you get to the, I mean, you can get real close to it and be okay. But trespass happens when you go just a little too far. Any, anybody ever in here went a little too far? Are you, y'all going to talk to me today or what? Anybody in here went a little too far? Yeah. Said a little too much? Yeah. Uh-huh. Done a little too much? Yeah. Just had to get the last word in? Yeah. Are you a trespasser? <laughs> you were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in times past... You walked according to the course of this world. Now, this is an unbeliever. This is someone who isn't saved. Look what it says. It says, in times past, so in your past, before you got saved, you were, and if you're not saved, this is what you're doing right now, you ordered your behavior. That word walk means ordered behavior. Your, your behavior was ordered, listen, according to the course of this world. That speaks to the wind blowing. So basically, what Paul is saying here is before you became a believer, your life, was just pushed around. You were led by whichever way the wind was blowing. If the wind was blowing this way, you went that way. See, we as people, we're frail as humans. We're weak. 
We need somebody to lead us. Somebody to tell us what to do. We need direction. We're like a, we're, we're, we're like a dog with a leash. We want something to lead us. And we're either going to be led by, we're either going to be led by the flesh, by Satan, or we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. And he said those people who aren't saved, they're being blown about by the wind according to the prince of the power of the air. Now stop. So it says we're being blown away, blown around by the wind. Who's blowing the wind? It says it right there. According to the prince of the air. Satan is blowing you this way. Blowing you that way. And you know what we say? I'm just following my heart. And the Bible says the heart is the most, is, the, is wicked above all things. Friend, you got in bad relationships because you was just listening to your heart. Some of you men pay an alimony because you listen to your huh, heart. Every month you're still listening to your heart as that check. Huh? Right? Uh, are we gonna, how, am, I, am I in the right room today? Right? This is 11 o'clock now. Led by your heart. Led by, really what we're saying is, how I feel. I feel like this might be the right thing to do. Well, have you asked God? Have you surrendered yourself to him? Well, if you're lost, if you're not a believer, you're going to be led by whichever way the wind blows, but the wind's just not blowing just because it's blowing. No, the enemy has an assignment to attack your life, and he's going to blow wind. The wind that's leading you, he's in control of it. He's blowing you over here this way. He's blowing you a little bit over here this way because he's the power, the prince of the power of the air. Verse 3 says, Well, let me back up to verse 2. According to the prince of the power of the air. Now, watch this. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom we all had our conversations. That word conversations means lifestyles. So, I want you to circle that, underline all. Because we're all of us, if we're not there now, we've been there. You see, if a man, listen to me, if a man was born, say this was po possible, it's not, but just say it was, and he never sinned, he never committed a sin, or your, your son is going to be born in the summer, he, say he never does anything wrong, never commits any sin. You start thinking, man, I mean, he's, this, this boy is great. He goes to bed when he's supposed to go to bed. He doesn't draw on the walls. He doesn't bite his other siblings. He is great. And just say he never done anything wrong, never committed any sin. You know what? He would still need Jesus. Because here's the thing. Because of Adam and Eve's failure, when we are born... We are born as a sinner into sin. It's a heart condition. Your heart is wretched. You're born into sin as a sinner needing a Savior. See, let me, let me say it like this. You don't become a thief because you rob banks. 
You rob banks because you are a thief. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't, you cheating on your spouse doesn't make you an adulterer. You are an adulterer. Therefore, you cheat on your spouse. Because we're human beings, not human doings. So, so this is who you are. Listen, if we could drop in on, and that might be a good thing to maybe look into, drop in on the nursery. Just go live. I'd like to say, can we go live to the nursery and just show you what's going on in there right now? Can I tell you? And I don't mean to scare you parents, but I'll tell you what's going on in there. They're screaming. They're hollering. They're throwing stuff. One child's got another child by the arm. Gnawing on it. The other's crying. Fighting. Nobody told them to do that. I'll never forget Abriella. I'll never forget I came in to pick Abriella up from daycare. Holly took her, I think, and I would pick her up. And I, they were outside playing. I went up to the fence. Abriel's my daughter. She just turned 10. But she was about between 2 and 3 when this happened. She got this from her mama. I'll just tell you that. And I can say that because her mama's not here today. And I just forgot we were online. Okay. So if you can edit that before it gets out. <laughs> anyway, I went to pick her up. I said, as, as a customer, I always done this. How was Abrielle today? Usually they always say, she's fine, she's good, oh, she's so sweet. All this stuff that I know is not true. And <laughs> I, I said, How's Abri how did Abrielle do today? They didn't say she was sweet. They didn't say she was fine. They, didn't say, they said, well, um, she had an interesting day. I said, well, what did she do? Well, she said, she got up on the slide. I said, yeah. She got up there. She loves to go down the slide. I said, I don't know if she does. Well, she got up on the slide today, and she said, she got everybody's attention. She got everybody looking at her. She turned around and mooned everybody. <laughs> I said, wow. Acting like her mama. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've never taught her to do that. She just done it. Thought it would be cute, I guess. I'm not sure. Nobody teaches their child to lie. Nobody teaches their child to, to do those type things. But guess what? They just naturally do them. Why? Because they are born into sin. Therefore, they are a sinner, and that's all of us. See, that's what makes the gospel, and I'm going to talk about some good things in just a minute, but that's why it makes the gospel the best story ever, because all of us have been in the same place, and all of us can receive his pardon and forgiveness and mercy. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we've been. In the eyes of God, it's all equal at the foot of the cross, and God just needs somebody to cry out to him and say, I need All of us 
Our lifestyle was like this. What was it like? Put up verse 3. Look what it says. Our conversation, our lifestyle, times past, this is what it looked like. The lust of our flesh. What, what does the word lust mean? It simply means intense desire. It doesn't, it doesn't mean sex. We think when we see lust, we think it's a sexual thing. No, the word lust means an intense desire. So you can lust after God and it'd be good. Lust after things of God and it'd be good. Have an intense desire for God. But this says an intense desire, an intense desire for the things of the flesh. What does the flesh want? Whatever it wants. When it wants it. How it wants it. It doesn't care who it hurts. It lives for the moment. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. It lives for the moment. It doesn't look at tomorrow. It doesn't worry about the consequences. It just wants what it wants, and it doesn't care who it hurts to get. That's the flesh. He said, before Jesus, you spend your life trying to fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Because you're separated from God, you by nature are the children of wrath. What does that mean? That we are the children of wrath. That means separated from God. Our future is the wrath of God. Now I want to burst your bubble and let you know God is a good God. He's a great God. He's a gracious God. But let me tell you, all the grace of God is on this side of eternity. But there is coming a day when God will pour out his wrath on those who did not accept it. You can take that. You can like it. You can think that's not your God. But I'm telling you, for those who do not place their faith in Christ, they will stand before God and God will pour, what is his wrath? Hell. Wasn't even made for you. Wasn't intended for you. God made a way of escape for you. But for those who will reject him and this message and this gospel, for those who reject him, they will be candidates for the wrath. Why do you think I stand up here and preach? Because I understand the reality that there will be people who hear what I say and it goes in one ear and out the other. Never let it get into their heart and they reject God. Friend, they will go to hell. I have preached funerals of people who have died and went to hell. I've looked at people as they died, dying in a wanted them to receive God and they wouldn't. And what's stored up for them? The wrath of God. But thank God for verse 4. Put it up on the screen. But separated from God. You're hopeless in yourself trying to get back to God. You just can't do it. You 
Thank God for an Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Thank God for a my God. Oh, I wish somebody knew what I was talking about this morning. You're thankful for the love of God. It's why I scream and holler like I do. It's why I plead for you. That's why I persuade, I spent the rest of, I almost spent the rest of my life persuading men to receive the gospel of Jesus for this moment right here. But God, who is rich, you hear me online? But God, I've done this and I've, I've, I've lived this way and I've done this, but God, I got this addiction in my life and I got this stronghold in my life, but God, I've been hanging out with this person and doing this thing, but God, I've never went to church in my life. I always thought I was an atheist, but God, I backslid on God. I knew his mercy and his grace, but I walked out, but God, who? I wish somebody stand on their feet and give God a shout. But God, huh? But God, but God, but God, but God. Who is rich? I've been thinking, how I know what my rich is. What about? God's kind of rich. You see what I'm saying? I know what I I think what sum of money would make me rich. We all got a figure probably in our minds. If not, you're thinking of one. God says, Paul said, but God who is rich in mercy. That word rich means abounding. <laughs> Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says this. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. One verse that says uh, where sin abounds, grace aboundeth the more. Point number one. You want a point? Here's a point. God is richer in grace than you are in sin. Oh, you know what I mean, don't you? God is richer in grace than I am in sin. Hey, what I'm saying is this. God, who knows everything, this is hard to understand, who knows every choice we're going to make, every decision we're going to make, Yet he gives us free will, but he still knows how it's going to end. And he saved you. He portioned out the, I love this. I don't know how y'all sitting there looking all bored. <laughs> he, he portioned out the exact amount of grace that we would need. Keep us from failing. To, we'll never, we'll, we may fail, we may fall, but we'll never be a failure because of the portioned out amount of grace. 
that we need. It's applied to us. It's given to us. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he took into account everything that we would ever do after we got saved, every bad habit, every wrong direction. He took it all in account. Hallelujah. He took it all in account. He knew everything about us, what we were going to do, when we were going to do it, how we were going to do it. And he says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That's how rich your God is. You see, if you've ever wondered, whatever, backslidden, you know what I'm talking about? Got your focus off of God. You know how you got back? I said, do you know how you got back? You know how you got back? You didn't get back on your self-effort. You didn't get back because you thought, well, I'm going to do some good now. I'm going to do good things. No, you got back because the grace of God arrested you and showed you the way home by the grace of God. By His grace. It's the goodness and grace of God that leads a man unto repentance. Say, thank you, God, for your grace. Anybody want to join me? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, God, that rescued me, pulled me in, wouldn't let me go. When I wanted to head into the wrong direction, when I thought I was going to lose my mind, it was grace that kept me. It's grace that saved me. Hallelujah. Grace made all this. I meant to tell you the title of this message, the series. Much love got to do with it. You know that Tina Turner song? Watch love got to do with it. I read, heard documentaries about it and some stories about it. There was a man, his name was Robin Crabtree. And him and his wife went off to have a good time with his friends. Well, they had established a plan for their kids to go spend the night with somebody. So they got home about midnight. When they got home about midnight, they went into their bedroom, and while they were laying down to go to sleep, they heard a noise in their daughter's bedroom. He had a gun. He went out, got his gun, and went into his daughter's bedroom with his gun drawn. While his gun, with his gun drawn, see, she was playing a practical joke. She pushed the closet door wide open, tried to scare Daddy. Well, when she did, just by reaction, he shot her. Bullet lodged in her neck. 
He fell down on the ground. He falls down to his knees. He's in shock. He's upset, of course. He's crying. He's hysterical. The last words that she said to him was this. Daddy, I love you. I love you. She just kept saying, I love you. 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 Just kept on repeating, I love you. I love you. Here's the daddy. He is down on the ground. There's blood on the carpet. I love you. I love you. That was the last thing that she said until she slipped off into it. Up to be unresponsive. Then 12 hours later, she would die. <coughs> last words you heard her say was, I love you. I love you. I love you. See, what Robin done to his daughter unintentionally, we done to God intentionally. Amen. Oh, I've never done that. Let me put you in the place of the Bible. Jesus is pinned on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth. Real nails now, drawn, driven into his wrists into his feet. He's hanging there. Some scoffer said, I've heard he can save other people. He can save other people. Surely he could save himself. Others would mock him. Before he ever went on the cross, they plucked his beard out. They took the crown of thorns, slammed it on his head. Some were gambling for his clothes. As he's on the cross naked, despised and rejected, taking on our shame, others would say, if you're the king, get yourself off the cross. Got one thief on the one side making fun of it, mocking him. What did Jesus say? What were some of his last words? I love you. I love you. I love you. I was the scoffer. You were the scoffer. You were the one gambling for his clothes. That's you. And you know what he said? In love, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love. Great love. Wherewith he loved us. You know, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that not a bone on the body of Jesus would be broken. Listen, when you hung on a cross, you would just, if, if they didn't break your knees to cause you to sag down, you would, you would live for a long time on that cross. So what the Roman guards would do is break their knees so that they would sag down more so that it, the fluid would build up and they would just basically drown. Asphyxiate. But before they could do that, Jesus cried out, It 
is finished. Then the Roman guard took a spear, drove it into his side, the side of Jesus. That was already riven and torn. And the Bible says, water, water and blood flowed out of his side onto the ground representing that Jesus didn't die choking drowning there is a phenomenon that happens when you're under such duress that your heart will literally explode listen to me literally explode on that day Jesus died of a broken heart with this love he loved us when go to the next verse when 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 we were dead in our sin. That's why I can't make this so just a church. That's why I cannot make this just a church thing. I'm sick of church. I'm sick of going through the motions. I'm sick of lukewarm people leading ministries in this church. You're either sold out or get out. Don't tell me your business. I've seen the love of God. I've encountered the love of God. Not just read about it. 
I've experienced it for myself. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. When Jesus went to the cross, I went with him. church has been crippled by convenience. We've been crippled by convenience. And we just want to be comfortable. You think it was convenient for Jesus? No. No, it wasn't. He was in the garden. And he said, before he was crucified, he said, God, if there's any other way, any other way I can accomplish what you want me to do without going to the cross, let this cup pass from me. Then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. When did he do this? When did he die for me? When we were dead. He quickened us together with Christ. Made us alive with Christ. And then listen. Here's that word again. By grace. You are saved. Verse 6. And he has raised us up together. And made us sit. You better, you need to circle that. Underline it, highlight it, write it in your phone. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the greatest stories to me in the Bible. They're talking to you this morning. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible to me. Is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. It is the story of Lazarus, dead, friend of Jesus. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick before Jesus can get there. Lazarus dies. Jesus finally gets there. And Martha says, Jesus, if you would have been here earlier, Lazarus would have not died. But now he's already stinking. He's been dead for four days. Lividity and uh, 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 what's the other word? I don't remember. It slipped my mind. He was decomposing. He was stinking. Basically, he was rotting away. Morbidity. Setting in. 
I didn't bother Jesus. You know what happened? Jesus got through talking to Martha. And he said, Lazarus! Now you see Lazarus was in a tomb. Dead. Lazarus! Come forth! The Bible says, stone rolled away. Lazarus came out. He went from stinking dead to alive. Just like that. He comes out of the tomb. Oh, that's great. But it gets better. Oh, they're celebrating. They're rejoicing. Jesus, for the first time, says, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. But just like every, this is how I know they were saved. Because right after that, they said, what y'all want to go eat? <laughs> Verse 12. They said, what you want to go eat? Chapter 12, excuse me. You can read it later. Chapter 12, it says in the very first verses that they get a meal together at the house of Mary and Martha. And it says, and Jesus was sitting with Lazarus at Oh, you don't believe me. Oh, there it is. <laughs> but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. Here's my last point. You can be dead in your sin, stinking in your sin, rotting in your sin, but just like that, he can take us from the tomb to the table. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, listen. You can be completely separated from God. And in the next moment, you're hanging out with Jesus. That's just how quick it can happen. It's just one call away. He called Lazarus and he's calling your name today. He's calling you out of sin. He's calling you out of death. He's calling you out of the tomb. And he's got a place for you of fellowship and relationship at his table. <clears throat> Musician singers come. I'm asking you not to go anywhere if you can't can hold on just a second because this is life or death. It's life or death. So this is the most important time of the service right now. Two people have already been snatched from death and are now sitting at the table. Two people were hung up. Now they're hanging out with Jesus. They have fellowship and they have relationship with Jesus and their sins are forgiven. They are washed completely, completely washed and forgiven. Jesus died for us. When did he die? When you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Well, Father, now I cannot. I can't make anybody receive Jesus. I can't. I can't make anybody get saved. 
your spirit has to draw them, God, but I have done my best to preach the gospel. And I beg you now, people, I beg you, those who are under the sound of my voice, I beg you today, if you do not know Jesus, to make, to make Jesus your Savior. And all you have to do is come to the place and say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And believe Jesus done it, that he died for you, that he rose again for you. Oh, let me tell you the best part. He rose again. He died. He took your sin. He took it to the tomb. And everything in the tomb stayed in the tomb but you and Jesus. Your past, your failure, all of it died that day. Jesus has provided a way for you to be raised into a new life. The Bible says all things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So I'm, I'm persuading, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, please come to Jesus. Right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I mean business today. I'm serious. I don't know what will happen to you when you walk out of this building. I don't know what will happen to you in this building. I'll just take it second by second. But there is a chance that you may take your last breath, breath on this earth today. Where would you take your next breath? Ask yourself that. Where would you spend eternity? This isn't a fable. This is fact. Where would you spend the rest of your life? I have literally, I'm not exaggerating. Seen hundreds, it, well, over a thousand people come to Jesus Christ in the last five, six years. And I'm asking you right now, it don't get old to me. Uh, it don't get old to me. This is why I live. This is why I breathe. I love my family, but this is what this is what pushes me. I love my children, but this is. I'm asking you right now, if you don't know Jesus, don't worry about what people say about you or what people think about you. I've seen these altars full of people. The people beside you, they have come to the altar somewhere to receive Jesus. They're not going to look down on you. They're going to celebrate with you. They're going to worship God for you. They're going to thank God for your obedience today. They're not going to embarrass you. It's all equal ground here today. So I'm asking you right now, it wasn't a mistake that you're here today. I'm asking you right now, and those who are watching online, those may be listening on a podcast later on, I'm asking you right now, if you don't know Jesus, I'm begging you, would you come to this altar and let me lead you to the Lord? Would you, would you do that? Would you do that? See, if you're really serious and you understand what's going on here, you realize it's a 15 step walk from death to life. That's really what it is. Probably anywhere from here, 15, 20, 25 feet is all it is that keeps you 
from eternity away from Jesus or with Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to pray with you. Lift it up. Nobody's looking. If you're in this building and you don't know Jesus, lift your hand up. Two people have already received Christ. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want you to look at me right now. There's some people that raised their hand. I don't want these people to have to come down alone. But I am asking you to come down. You say, Pastor, why do you want us to come down? Because everything Jesus done, he done it in the open. He hung on the cross for all the world to see. Open. So this is what I want you to do. I want you. There's a story in the Bible. It talks about this paralyzed man who couldn't get to Jesus. He, he was paralyzed. He, he depended on others. But he had four good friends. Those friends heard that Jesus was coming. They got him dressed. Got him. Got his clothes on him. Put him on a stretcher. And took him to the house where Jesus was. When they got there, it was full, but they didn't stop. The house was so crowded, they took him up on the roof and dropped him down right in front of Jesus. And on that day, Jesus saved his soul and healed his body. And the, he got up holding the stretcher that he came riding in on. And he walked out. Now, I'm asking you to be one of those four friends today. I'm asking you. This is all, I'm not asking you to carry nobody on a stretcher. I'm just asking you to look to the left or the right of you and say, hey, if you need to come, if you need to go down to the altar, I'll go down with you. Right now, do that. Right now, do that. Ask them. And if they say yes or they don't, you don't know or they don't know, bring them on down here. Right now, ask them. Ask them. You raised your hand. Come on, sir. You raised your hand. Come on, ma'am. You raised your hand. Come down. Come down. I'll, I'll ask somebody. I'll ask them, Do you need to go? Do you need to go down to the altar today? You know, this is probably not what you should do, but I'm going to ask you, ma'am. Do you need to go down here today? You do, don't you? Come on. Come on. Grab her by the hand. Grab her. Come on. Come on. Who else? Who else? Sir, you raised your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm begging you. I'm persuading you. I'm asking you. This is life or death. This is life or death. Do you hear me? This is life or death. If God's dealing with you, don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come on, sir. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, Pastor, are you begging? I'm begging. I'm begging. I'm not too proud to beg. I'll plead. I'm begging you. Sir, ma'am, this is life or death. Life or death. For those who are standing right here, 
God done this. God done this. Come on, sir. I'm, come on. God done this. Online, God done this. But God, who is rich in mercy, exactly what's going on. He's going to hear your prayer. He's going to save your soul today. Completely. Every sin that you've ever committed is going to be completely forgiven. Your past is going to be erased. You're a new creation. Stretch your hands this way towards these wonderful people right now. And I want everybody in this church to say this prayer with me. I want you guys to say it. This is the prayer of salvation. You believe this? Brother, you're safe. If you believe it, you're safe. So let's say it. Are you going to pray it? Let's pray it together. Say, Lord, Lord here, I am. here I am. I heard the message. It was for me. It was to me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I need you. I've tried everything. And it doesn't work. I need you, Jesus. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I believe you died for me. And rose again for me. Giving me a new life. I place my faith and my trust completely in you. And today... And today, I am saved. I am saved. Give God a shout. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.